Hi, it's Raina G with the Holistic Health Hotline and with many other things today as usual. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about predictions and Muslims and if there is any healing that can be done for all that's happened um, in many months but also in the last week especially. As far as predictions go, you know that I have often talked about what would happen and what was going to happen in the times that we're in now. A couple of years back I told you about money and what was happening with that and where it would go. I uh, have told you about hurricanes, I've told you about the climate, I've told you about other countries and conflicts and so far I haven't missed <laughs> and that's that's a good thing but a bad thing because I wish I, I was wrong on so many things. But, it, you know, if you want verification of, of how I get told these things, I, I don't know exactly how, but I was trained by Native Americans in many ways and stay in touch with the earth and the universe, which I now call the multiverse. It really isn't one universe or just one. Um, and I stay in touch with those things and I feel things and I have always been a medical intuitive so I can feel things that are going on with people often long before they do or, or if they ever do. I feel them and I react to them way ahead of time. Uh, my friends will tell me I'm, I'm probably about six months to a year ahead of everybody else. And that can be a good thing. That's very shamanic. I was, I was trained as a shaman and I'm supposed to feel and know those things and come and tell you so that you can be prepared, you can plan, you can strategize, you can know that you're not alone when you start feeling things or knowing things, um, sensing things. And so, yes, there's um, there's a lot of times that I have been right. And um, hurricanes, for instance, I told you seven months ago, I think it was, that this year's hurricane season would be minimal for the Gulf Coast, that if any hurricanes came into the Gulf at all, they, they would not cause damage or problems, that the, the uh, hurricane pass would mostly go up the eastern seaboard, and, the, and that um, the rains and the, <clears throat> the winds from the hurricanes would cause problems there, but that none of them were going to be devastating. And, uh, and, they, uh, and they weren't. <laughs> we just had our last little storm, I think, forever this year. <clears throat> it did come into the Gulf, and, and um, people around here are so used to hurricanes causing problems that all these states claimed a state of emergency before it ever got here, and the schools closed and the stores closed, and so it rained <laughs> for six or seven hours, and some places got four or five inches, and there is a little flooding here and there, not where I am, not in the Gulf Coast area. Um, and uh, it was like crying wolf, and I, and I try to tell people, this not, is it, we get worse rainstorms in July, just from a rainstorm, than we got from this. But the, the reason that I knew that is because I watched nature, and nature was telling me that our problems were going to be more on the West Coast and uh, from from the northern tip of of uh, northern part of California right down to Mexico, and that we have more problems elsewhere than what we were going to have with those, and that was because of sharks and other things that were going on. So I haven't been wrong about those. I knew there would be fires in California, 
and that has a lot to do with the electrical energy that sets those fires, but also the energy of 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 terrorism. And I don't think anybody ever looks into that. I mean, we have a lot of fire investigators who are constantly checking to see how fires started, where they started in California, and oftentimes they're attributed to to lightning, which is probably true. But um, if I was a terrorist and I wanted to destroy a lot of the economy in California, I just wait for those Santa Ana winds to get blowing and and throw a match and um, and know that some people were going to die or they were going to lose their property or something. And many of those fires um, have been left with un unknown facts about where they started or how they started. A few of them you can attribute to people, you know, kids playing or somebody with a campfire or whatever. But a lot of them you don't know where they started. And that's what I would do if I, if I was a terrorist, if I was a Muslim extremist, um, a fanatic, and, and really believe that people who have acquired property uh, or have acquired wealth in California should lose it, I, I, I might try doing something like that. But there are going to be a lot of things worse than that going on. We've, we, we saw what happened at Fort Hood, Texas, and we saw the reaction of our government to that, which was not a, a, a reaction that I was, I, I was expecting it, that's for sure. I was expecting it, but nothing that I, um, that I condone. We saw the death that can happen very quickly to soldiers who signed up to do what? To defend our country. And if that meant being deployed to a place where we are fighting, they were willing and ready to go. And coming home from doing that same service. And uh, and they were gunned down. So we have a... a a lot of things that are going to happen within the next few months which people need to know about. We're moving into a holiday season. We are not allowed to call it Christmas pretty soon. We have to call it a holiday which always makes me crazy because the word holiday means holy day and that day on Christmas is set aside for a birthday. That's why it's a holy day. So why why we are not going to have the nation's Christmas tree in Washington DC but instead a holiday tree makes no sense to me but on the other hand the people who are in Washington have no idea what America is about I don't believe half of them are even from here and uh, didn't grow up here and don't understand the values of America don't know that we may not be a Christian nation according to the polls but we are a nation under God and we do believe in that divine power not Allah, not um, Buddha, but God. And because of that, we're actually in a holy war. But because no one's told us, we don't know that we're in a holy war. That we have been fighting um, what George Bush originally called, you know, he, the Crusades. <laughs> he made a mistake when 9-11 happened and came out soon afterwards, maybe a week or so afterwards, and said that we would prevail in this crusade against terrorism. Well, he was a, he was a, he is a born-again Christian, 
and that was a word that would naturally be in his vocabulary and never occurred to him, I don't think, that he was setting himself up for um, some more criticism because he was trying because he was saying those things which meant that people saw it as a as a holy war well if you don't think that's what this is then you need to think again because we have a nation of the nation of islam which has been migrating all over the world to take over the world they have basically overrun london they are in many, many countries, and they are here. Now, many or some Muslims who have come to America came here for the same reasons that my ancestors came here on my father's side, you know, to escape um, the, the poverty, to escape the oppression of where they were, and to make life in this wonderful country called America. But a lot of them are here for other reasons, and have been and have been planning just like the people up in Washington have been planning for 20, 30, 40 years for that time to come when they could take over our country. And it is coming. And you need to know that it's coming. We are seeing Sharia law uh, being implemented in different spots right now where you see fathers running over their daughters or chopping off heads or... If you you probably don't even remember that during the campaign, the TV producer in New York who, who beheaded his wife, and then the story was buried. Whatever happened to that guy? Did you ever hear about him again? Did you know what happened to him? <laughs> he was probably, I don't know, he's probably on the staff at the White House someplace right now. But um, that is coming. There is armed conflict coming in the United States between us and them between us and us um, we have such division this is the worst presidency as far as division and racism in this country that there has ever been the civil war the civil rights movement all of those eras and time periods were not as divisive as this one is we have blacks against whites we have blacks um, who demonstrated against the White House last Saturday, uh, basically shouting to the president that he was a white man in blackface because he hasn't given what he said he was going to give. We have um, uh, people afraid to say anything because they will be called racist, this political correct baloney that's been going on for a long time. You know, I, I grew up, I told you before, in a time when we, we really didn't think about things like this. Um, and I, I was probably a little different than others who, who were brought up in, in different kinds of households, but I remember the first black girl who came to my school. And I was in a, a campus school, it was called. So we, had, um, we were attached to a teacher's college, and so we had a lot of... Um, uh, practice teachers they would come that's what they were called they'd come in and they'd practice teaching and so we had a, a, a curriculum that was different than most and <clears throat> I don't remember um, there was also a public school which was different than ours and so it wasn't a private school but it was definitely attached I guess you had to be an alumni of, of Fredonia State or something anyway our 
our family was, and and so I went to that school. And we didn't have such a diverse population, at least not in grammar school. So I was in second grade when, and this is going to sound terrible to most people, so you didn't have anybody in your class except white people until you were in second grade? Well, yeah. I lived in a small town that, um, that was probably like 70% Italian, and um, and I didn't go to a the public school. And even in the public school, I don't think the population was more than one or two percent black. So we didn't have a lot of of interaction, at least not in 1955. So 1957, 58 is when we had the first black child come into the classroom. Well. I don't know exactly what other people were feeling. I was pretty young, although I'm I'm pretty good at that. I remember all the way being three years old. You know, a lot of people can't remember being ten, but I remember way back. And I do remember when she came into the classroom, and we were doing second grade kind of things, and um, would often have to come together in a circle or hold hands to do things. And and I she automatically um, gravitated towards me because. I guess I was I was only curious <laughs> about the differences. I was not raised to hate the differences. And so I took her hand all the time in the circles and I was the one that she stood next to. Um and it it never occurred to me that this difference was a bad thing or a negative thing or something I should be afraid of. It was just a difference. And I was so curious, and I would just ask the questions, you know. Wow, your hands feel different than mine. And they did. I mean, the genetic makeup of, of a black person's skin is different than a white person's skin. That's the truth. I mean, we have the same blood. The blood is red. Um, but the history and the DNA and everything else is different. And and then I, you know, I remember another time her coming into the circle, and she had her hair different. And I don't remember exactly how it was done, but it was not done like, like, like I would do my hair. And so I started look, I started touching her hair to to see how it was done. <laughs> and and she laughed at me because she then she started touching my hair and said mine wasn't done because hers was and things like that. We didn't grow up that way, or at least I didn't. So <clears throat> as time went on, of course she had to leave. Um, I for whatever reason and and then we moved from that school into a regular school and and started seeing the differences in each other and still you know I was in band I played about seven or eight instruments and I I uh, wrote for the school newspaper I was in all these extracurricular activities and and never did we have a racial incident we were one class and we were all together and the, when we got to high school, the high school was all the, all the grammar schools, regardless if they were private or, or the campus school or the public school, everybody came together. And um, we never had any problems. We, and this was through the 60s. I mean, I graduated from high school in 1968, the height of, you know, the Woodstock era, the Beatles and all that stuff. And we, we just never had those problems. And it was post-1963 you know, after JFK's assassination, um, in the midst of the civil rights movement and Martin Luther King, and we, and we just didn't have those things going on. But now, this president who was supposed to bring the country together, I think, has caused more division. And, and I almost think on purpose. You know, one way to get people 
totally dependent on a government is is to make sure that you divide and conquer. And the more divisive you are, you know, the more unemployment there is, the more sickness there is, um, the more hatred there is between people so that they harm each other, both, you know, physically and emotionally. Um, the more dependent then people get on the government. And that that is part of the Marxist communist side of this government is is they want total control and they want you to be dependent on them because that's what gives them power or perceived power and that is going to happen more and more i'm surprised we haven't had a civil war yet (laughs) because of much of what's going on they they would much rather have people feel comfortable in being poor and getting handouts from the government than making them uncomfortable so that they become the individuals that they're supposed to come become and now we have the muslim stuff that is coming up to the surface even more now if you don't think that there were terrorist attacks uh, up until this last year you are wrong Uh, you can find out on the internet i'm sure i think i have a list somewhere i don't know if i can put that up i'm not sure but uh from 1971 or two all the way until this last week, we've had incidents all over the country of Muslim attacks. This has been going on for quite a while. Now, what's different is that that um, in the 70s, nobody registered that as a terrorist attack. They would say that some lone crackpot shot so-and-so and did such-and-such. And then later, you know, when they did the background information, um, they didn't say Catholic or, or Protestant. They said Muslim. And uh, as you kept going through the historical notes, you saw how much more activity there was as the 70s progressed and then the, the 80s and the 90s. The 90s were big time while Bill Clinton was in office and he did nothing. Nothing. You never heard about those attacks. You never saw him. Did you see him go out to the USS Cole? Did you see him? I... I I, I don't think I did. Um, and then you had 2001, of course. And you saw George Bush go to the rubble in New York City with his megaphone. And you also saw him on the television trying to console America, which is what a president's job should be, is to defend America and be there for when her people are attacked to continue to defend and protect. And, um, and we don't have that now. Now I I was I was driving in a car and saw what this president did and uh, I couldn't believe it. I was waiting for hours for him to talk and then when he did talk it was about everything else except what happened at Fort Hood. Now what's going to happen prediction wise with that is well a lot of it's going to get shoved under the rug. You're gonna you're gonna see a lot of hiding going on and a lot of. Um, misstatements and then all of a sudden information scrubbed so that you can't find it because we have so many Muslims that are in our military and our government and some I'm sure are fine most of them are not there for good reasons you know the president just appointed an Iranian uh, guy to the Homeland Security Division we've got two Muslims who who have frequented uh, mosques that are very radical Islamic mosques 
who are part of Homeland Security and the Defense Department. We have all kinds of this stuff going on internally, and, and every general will tell you that you want to bring down a country. You don't do it from the outside with bombs, and you don't attack them on their borders. You go inside. You go into the belly of the monster. That's what the Japanese learned during World War II. And, and any Japanese from World War II would tell you that their commanders even told them that. They not only had awakened the monster, the giant, the sleeping giant, but that they learned at the end of World War II that the way to victory was not to come in from the air or the sea and attack because they would be attacked back, but to come within and from within destroy the structure that makes that country. And we have that, that happening now. Now we do have enemies from outside who are also going to come after us if you, you pay attention because this is important really. Iranians, um, the Iranian people tried to tell us this summer. They tried while they demonstrated in the streets and people were killed and now have been executed for demonstrating in the streets. They tried to tell us what is going on and they showed us that our government didn't support them as they tried to rise up against um, their government and their lack of government or their phony government, you know, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, and um, tried to tell us, but we're not paying attention. We're too busy. And you notice that our president said nothing. They just sat back and let this carnage happen. And uh, we were told during the campaign, of course, that what he was going to do was talk to them and meet them directly. And they've done all this stuff around nuclear weapons, and now it's you're kind of not hearing too much about it, are you? They, they should have had sanctions, they should have had all this stuff, and nothing's happening. And um, yesterday, I saw a picture of the $1 billion mosque that Iran has built in Managua, Nicaragua, which is pretty close to us, if you've ever you know, looked at a map in Central America where Nicaragua is. <laughs> it's not that far away. One billion dollar mosque, gold domed mosque. Um, but there's only supposed to be 400 Muslims in the Nicaragua area. So why would you build a one billion dollar mosque in Nicaragua for 400 Muslims that don't even all live right in Managua? Um, I don't know. I guess if I was, uh, if I was planning on joining forces with Central or South American countries, I, I might want to be um, right in that area and control that central waterway and have um, and be in proximity to the country I'm trying to destroy or one of them. So I think I might want to go there. I might want to join forces with Hugo Chavez in Venezuela who has nationalized coffee now. Um, because he thinks he's going to take over Colombia. Now, why is Venezuela going to have a war with Colombia? Because U.S. troops are there. It's the best way to have a war with the U.S. is go anywhere where there's troops and uh, attack our troops as usual. So now, we, and Venezuela and Iran, of course, are buddies. So you're going to have Iran and Venezuela joining forces, and there will be a war in South America. It won't really be a South American war. It'll be against us in many ways, and we'll have to get involved or we won't, according to our president. Um, but our troops are going to be involved, for sure. Should we be in Colombia? Should we be in all these places? They know that's a whole other story. We got involved in things we shouldn't get involved in, I think. Um, but once you do get involved, you have to see them through and you have to do the right thing. And 
and um, I'm not sure that that many of our advisors throughout the years have done the right thing. And you know what? Everybody always says it's Republicans who do that. And I, I really don't care about Republicans or Democrats. I haven't been either. I've been independent forever. But um, if you really look at history, it's actually the other way around. It's the Democrats that get all these. They, they want to send advisors in or they want to sit down and talk to dictators. And, and then what happens in those countries is just horrendous. Um, and then we end up having troops there because we we, <laughs> we either have to um, police the area or or we're stuck and we can't get out. Now what's happening around November 19th is our president's going to a Southeast Asian conference. This is also important to be aware of. You're not going to hear a lot of news stories because they're all scrubbed. They're all being blocked by state-run television and newspapers. Nope. A Southeast Asian conference, what you're going to hear from that conference is probably, first of all, apologies about how we did this terrible thing in Japan with Nagasaki and Hiroshima, which saved millions and millions of lives. Nobody wanted to do it. Nobody wanted to drop a big bomb and kill people. Um, I did the history on this. I wrote a screenplay about it, actually. Nobody wanted to do it, but when you have hundreds of thousands of troops being killed on both sides. You have to do something in war that you don't necessarily want to do. So, yep, we did that. So we're probably going to hear an apology from you-know-who and probably hear an apology about Vietnam. Um, what he should apologize for is the Democrats who, who screwed that one up really, really bad. And then we pulled out uh, too quickly, just like we are in Iraq, and when we pulled out, there was massive carnage after we left. The way we left Vietnam was not a good thing. Uh, you know, people who don't stay in touch with the news and aren't affiliated with the military don't understand what happens during um, during the, the withdrawal of troops, what happens to those countries. We had um, uh, an attempted surrender to the Taliban this week that people didn't hear about probably. You know, we haven't had the troops sent to Afghanistan yet. And uh, Obama keeps saying, some more weeks, some more weeks, some more time. Well, what we found out was that he tried to to broker a deal with the Taliban. <laughs> you remember what the Taliban do to their children and their kids and all that stuff, right? But some somebody quit the, as an advisor who had been military and said, we're fighting the wrong people because the Taliban are okay. It's just Al-Qaeda we should go after. The Taliban aren't okay, but that we're there, right? Because we went after Al-Qaeda. The Taliban hate us and they harbor Al-Qaeda. Now, what George Bush said was, if you harbor a terrorist, then you are a terrorist. I, I agree with that. You know, if I put 10 Muslim extremists in my house who want to kill Americans, I can't say that I'm not one of them. That's what somebody says when they go to church for 20 years and say, I never heard anything that this guy said. That's how they think. But um, anyway, what he tried to do was broker a, a deal that gave the Taliban six provinces to govern if they would allow our troops to stay in the rest of the country. Well, laughter must have been pretty intense. <laughs> so then, after they said no and they got done laughing, then we heard that we're probably going to send troops, but not yet. He wants a whole different idea. So he's met with his cabinet, his um, war advisors six or seven times in the last ten days, and yesterday he rejected all of their ideas. Now, you heard during the campaign that he would pay attention to those people, right? And I think he's going elsewhere. 
But um, he's going to, so he tried to do that. He's going to broker this deal in Southeast Asia because of what's coming up in December, and that's the Copenhagen Conference. Um, that's the climate change stuff that, that Al Gore is trying to make billions of dollars off. Now, we were four degrees cooler this summer than we have been in years. So you tell me about how the, how the planet's warming up. But um, he wasn't going to go to Copenhagen because China and India, the biggest polluters and the most um, uh, advancing countries technologically and, and economically, on the planet um, don't want to sign on to this treaty because they'd have to give some of their wealth away. But what the UN wants is for the United States, for sure, to sign on so that we give our wealth away. And you know that that's what Marxists and communists want. They want the upside-down bottle. They want everything to flow to the poor from us. And that does affect you, it's not just the rich. Um, we say wealth, and if you're a middle-class person, it's like, I don't have any wealth. You know, I have a little IRA or 401k, and I lost most of it in the stock market, and, and I work for a living, so I'm not wealthy, so it's not coming from me, so this doesn't have anything to do with me. If you have a house, even if you owe on it, and you have a car, even if you owe on it, and you have a bank account, then you, in, according to this administration, are wealthy. And that wealth will flow if he signs his treaty in Copenhagen, what they want is the UN to be in charge of us even more than they have gotten control in the last six months. They are they are now able to say to us what we are allowed to say. Did you know that? That our freedom of speech is being governed in some ways by the United Nations now? That we aren't allowed to have hate speech or or to say that somebody is a terrorist? Um you know, or an extremist, <laughs> that the United Nations, the worst group of people that we should not, we should disband completely, has the worst record of human rights ever in history in the world, is dictating or wants to dictate how we deal with each other in the United States. Well, the Copenhagen Conference, if that gets signed, that treaty gets signed, it first of all has to be ratified by the Senate, but the way the Senate's going lately, who knows? They might ratify it. And what it does is give complete control of our society to the United Nations. They can determine who will get punished for what and how. Um, they will determine with our government who can turn on their lights and when, who can have heat or air conditioning and how much, um, who can drive to where and what, using what kind of fuel. Who can make things like clothes or uh, shoes or guns or building materials and what they'll be made of and who can use them and where and how and what color they should be. Um, where your children will eat, what they'll eat, what they'll sing, what they'll learn, the revisionist histories. They will determine all of this and if you think that that won't happen here. It's happening, and you have to wake up. Our country is disintegrating. And everybody says, well, 2010 will change who's in the House of Representatives. You see what happened with the health care bill? We spent 12 hours, most of us activist people, calling everybody over and over and over and really trying to talk to these, these representatives. And um, we did pretty good. We got 35 Democrats to say no. But we lost still. And Nancy Pelosi had her day. Um, and one of the reasons we lost is because of deals. 
Even the guy in Louisiana, Gao or whatever his name is, the Republican who voted for this, if you ask him why, well, Obama told me he's going to fix my my area and give me money, and it's like, yeah, right. Okay, so why don't you lose your country to fix your area? You know, your area is not going to get the money, and it's not going to mean anything if the country is not around. So let's just give up our sovereignty, give up our power, give up our constitution, shred it to pieces so that you think that you'll keep your job and get reelected. There is now a movement to impeach this guy. He's lost lots of, of support because the American people won't stand for that. Um, and all of you out there who have, uh, who are Democrats or have Democratic representatives or senators and you think they're safe because of what happened with the election in New York or whatever, if you put together the woman who quit, you know, Skazafava, whatever her name is, and the, uh, um, and what's his name, the other guy, you put their percentages together, they actually beat the Democrat, but, but Skazafava didn't get off the ballot because she doesn't care about this country either. You have to, you know, you have to, get together and unite to save our country. You have to stop this. This We are individuals in America. That's what makes us. But you remember that the founding fathers didn't say the individual states of America. They said the United States of America. That the individuals who make up our country, our states, our government, our military, our schools, are all important and all unique. But together we have to stay united to keep America free. And that's what people have to start realizing. They can't keep being individuals, me, me, me. That's what Obama does. Everything's about him, me, me, me. And that just keeps on going right down through the ranks. And you'll see it. He goes over to the Fort Hood Memorial finally. And when he's introduced, number six or seven on the list, people in the back are shouting like he's a rock star. This is a memorial service for gunned down troops. You don't shout for this man. And he almost saw in his face like he'd like to wave, and he knew he better not. Not this time. And then the disappointment afterwards when he just gave this this uh, unfeeling speech and then walked away, and you could feel this background noise, like, oh, man, you know, he didn't say fired up or ready to go. No. And all those people were just as unfeeling as he is. Now, our troops are never going to be unfeeling. So those of you who listen to me over in Iraq and Afghanistan, and I know you do, please, next time you're on the computer, look up Oath Keepers. Oath Keepers. Um, the people who will and have taken an oath to never fire on American citizens, no matter what their, their generals say, no matter what the president says, the so-called commander-in-chief who loves the salute. Um, the Post-American World is the last book that he's read. You know, George Bush used to read 95 to 100 books a year. This one can't get through one in a month. The Post-American World, that's the New World Order. If he signs the Copenhagen Treaty, we'll have a New World Order, uh, according to them. I see a lot of armed conflict coming. I see people who know the Constitution and know their right to bear arms will bear arms. That there's nothing else. They have nothing else to lose. See, what the, the people in Washington don't understand is that when you take everything away from people in America, when you try to deny them their rights, they have nothing else to lose. And they will fight for those, just like they did in 1776, just like they did in, in the Civil War. They will fight for the right to stay Americans.
So cap and trade and the New World Order and the, the Copenhagen Treaty, you know, they're going to try to do it, and I see a lot of blood coming. Will it be huge? Not yet. But I think if we don't start making some strides and inroads, that we'll see, we'll see, um, we'll see cities and states surrounded by militia and, and civil war. Um, so please, all of you policemen and sheriffs and military people, please go to Oath Keepers and sign that oath and stand on the side of the Constitution. We're also going to see more stimulus money come out in, in, uh, or requests or in Congress come out because they want more money. Now that we're in some kind of recovery, they see more wealth being accumulated. You'll hear jobs, bills, and uh, they'll be named other things besides stimulus or omnibus or recovery. They'll be called something that makes you really get excited that this one's for jobs and this one's for for industry and this one's for whatever because they want your money. Please, please pay close attention to the SEIU, ACORN, the Center for American Progress. Um, they're out there to to take over our country the way they want it to be. You know, as SEIU spent $60.7 million to get Barack Obama elected, and then they wrote the stimulus bill so that they could get the money back. And they gave that portion, i.e. portion, of their money to ACORN so that ACORN can go out and make sure that certain people are elected and put back into office so that the big chain in the circle can continue. So as far as predictions go, what you're hearing, what, what did you hear from all that? Yeah, we've got a Central American-South American war coming. We have a treaty that is going to really set off um, internal conflict and war in the United States because we will not, the people will not let the United Nations become our, our dictators. Um, some of you might want that, you know, then go somewhere else. But um, we have the president making deals all over the, the world and making sure that everybody knows that, that America is now weak and you can do basically what you want. We're going to have Muslim uprisings and people doing anti-Muslim things because of that, which, uh, you know, we should have had this taken care of a long time ago. Um, you're going to see the dollar probably get disintegrated some more. Um, and the uh, the Chinese yuan or the uh, another currency um, get pushed to the forefront. I th I don't think Americans are going to allow that to happen either. At least I'm hoping that that's, that's not going to happen. Um, and that's about it. I mean, uh, uh, as far as weather goes, forget that. God has backed off from the weather for a while because we have so much other energy going on that is uh, horrific. And somebody said that there was a meteor that just missed. <laughs> the world uh, a couple weeks ago by 4,500 miles and nobody saw it. Well, everybody's too busy, you know, and that's not how it's going to end. We're going to destroy ourselves. That's that's the thing. So you have to have some faith and you have to go back to God. You have to go back to, to understanding that there is a higher power, a higher energy than you. And, um, and you do have to have some amount of faith, which is very hard for people to understand, so that you can heal. Do I want to heal all the Muslims in the country to see if I can change them? No, that's not going to happen. They don't believe in what I believe in. Um, do I want to kill them all? No, I don't want to do that either because I'm not a violent person. But will I defend my country and my family? Yes, and I'll die for it if I have to. Um, so those who just want to pray, that's good. Keep praying, but know that you can't just pray. 
that we're going to need you. We're going to need you to either load the guns or make the ammunition or heal the wounds um, from whatever battles are coming. That you, you do have a job. You can't sit by or just go to church. You can't do that. God needs you to be warriors. And warriors do more things than just shoot guns. Warriors speak up. You know that they weren't going to lower the flag at the White House. Uh, in fact, they raised the flag after Fort Hood. And one woman, and you should find her and call her and hug her and thank her. Her name is Anita Ross, probably the great-great-great-granddaughter of Betsy Ross. She was beside herself that they would not lower that flag. She's from Texas. She called everybody in Texas that she could find. She got a hold of everybody she could get a hold of and screamed her head off. And finally, reluctantly, the White House came and lowered the flag at the White House to half-mast. So it was one voice. She didn't. Pr she prayed. She said, I prayed that they would lower the flag. But the next thing she did is that she took the actions necessary to get it lowered. And she did it with passion because she believed in who she is and what she was doing. And she believed that that was the proper honor under God to honor those troops who died. So as you are trying to heal everything and you're trying to stop it from happening and you're trying to avoid the conflicts and you're trying to be blind or busy or deaf to everything, um, know that everyone needs you. They need you to be the warriors, to, to whether it's to dress the wounds or carry the water. You have to be a part of it. Um, whether you agree completely or not, if you see things that are going to be going on here, and they will, you see things going on, get educated and know that there's a reason that these people are fighting for your freedoms and your children and your grandchildren. And and um, if you are in any part of the military or the, the police force or the firemen or whatever, take the oath. Go to Oath Keepers online and take the oath that you will not fire on American citizens, that you will not take that order to do that. We we have a mini-revolution coming soon, and then we have a bigger one coming um, within the next six months. So be prepared, and be ready, and be strong, and keep the faith. Um, go to earthwalk-usa.com, and yes, I am still worrying for president, and sometimes I talk a lot when I'm on this, because it's 4 o'clock in the morning, and I have time. So... <laughs> Uh, I'm still running. I'm still laying out um, my positions on a lot of things on, on online. Uh, and still trying to give you as much information as possible to make your lives better and to make you safe. So, God bless America. Go to earthwalk-usa.com. This is Raina G. Spread the word.